you'll please remain standing and sharing God's good word with me. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Well, let me take a look at you. It's Christmas Eve. Merry Christmas, everybody. It's good to see you. Good to see you. We have been in a series called Come Home for Christmas. Come Home for Christmas. Tonight, I want to invite you to come home to Jesus because he has come to you out of love, goodness, kindness, mercy, and his peace. I want to invite you to seriously consider following him with all that you are because he has given everything to us. Our story picks up in a small town. Uh, If you were in western Oklahoma, you'd call it a one-stoplight town. It's called Nazareth. It's way up north uh, by the Sea of Galilee. And over here is Nazareth. And it just so happens that Rome covers this area. It's an occupied territory. And they need some money. And so they need to tax people. And so they say, you've got to go back to where you were born and register so we know where you live. Kind of like selected service. It just so happened that Rome did this all around the world, um, and it also meant military service for most people, but the Jews got a pass. And so this was really about taxation. And so not only was it a hard journey, it was a journey that knew it was going to cost them. It wasn't a lot of fun. So they come down, they go this way, Jerusalem's here, six miles down here is Bethlehem. Well, you could go the other way, but in any way you slice it, it's roughly from here to Tulsa. Anybody ready to do that tonight? Just pick up and... Start walking to Tulsa. That's a long way. Now, I'm told it's even longer if you're nine months pregnant. Perhaps. Can you imagine? So they would say that roughly you could, if like you were in great shape and really hoofing it, you might make this in two, three, four days. But most people think marrying Joseph, it probably took about 10 days. Had to figure out where to stop and where to eat, where to rest. Try not to have the baby on the way. So that's what they did. Imagine knowing that you're going to have a baby any day now, you're going to walk to Tulsa. It's a hard thing. So when they get to Jerusalem, they're very excited because they just have a little ways to go. Many of you all have been there. Not to there, but you know, when you're on the the way to a, a place that you're going. And they come to Bethlehem. And just outside of Bethlehem, the scripture says that in that region there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Well, I guess so. Any of you all seen an alien come and talking to you? I mean, that would be terrifying. But the angel says what the angel always says. Do not be afraid, because apparently angels are scary. Right? So he's like, oh, don't be afraid, for I am bringing you what? Say it with me. Bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. 
This is so important, friends. Good news of great joy for all the people. This is our celebration. And it's so important that we get all of it because if it's not for all the people, it's not good news. Amen? It's not for all people. It's not good news. So the scripture continues. It says, to you is born, all of us, to this day in the city of David, a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom he favors, whom God favors. You see, friends, Jesus is the ultimate invitation to God's home to be where God is, to be with God. Now, if you've been with us long, you know, and even if you haven't been with us long, you probably know this, that God's home, where does God live? Heaven. God's home is called heaven. And heaven is where what God wants done is done. And so if that's in this place tonight, we have heaven come to earth. In Jesus' day, wherever Jesus went, that's where heaven was. It can happen in your home. It can happen at your work. It can happen in a jail cell. It can happen anywhere that God chooses to go. That night he chose to go just outside of Bethlehem. Now we know this partly because this is what Jesus says about himself. In his first sermon, uh, this is accounted just two chapters later in Luke 4, it says this, When Jesus came to Nazareth, again back to his hometown, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The words, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, he said. Because he has anointed me to do what? To bring good news to the poor. To proclaim release to the captives. Recovery of sight to the blind. To let the oppressed go free. And to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Not anger. Favor. Goodness. Grace. And Jesus rolls up the scroll. He gives it back to the attendant. And he sits down. Because that's what rabbis did. They would read and then they would sit down. We read and then we stand up. But they would read and sit down. That's how they did it. Because the rabbi was about to talk. They are about to school him. And so all the eyes were fixed on Jesus. Why? Because he just said he was God. I mean, nobody's missing this. Then Jesus began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. They never heard anything like it. You see, Jesus reveals what God is like. Wherever Jesus is, heaven is, God is. And what happens when God is present. You can tell what's going on when God is present. The lame walk, the deaf hear, the blind see, the mute speak. Now, the writer of Hebrews says it like this. Long ago, before Jesus, we kind of had to guess what God was like. Pillar of fire, cloud, burning bush, small voice, but no longer. Jesus has come. The writer of Hebrews says this. Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors in many and various ways by the prophets. Like like Michael read Micah. That's how they did it. But in these last days, God has spoken to us by a son, Jesus, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he has also created the worlds. We'll talk about that uh, later in the service when we read John 1. Jesus was right there at the beginning of the world. Jesus is the reflection of... Of God's glory, and say it with me, the exact imprint of God's very being. Jesus shows you exactly what God is like. You want to know what God is like? Look at Jesus. That's all you got to know. And he sustains all things, Jesus does, by his powerful word, by his being, by being God himself. 
You see, God and Jesus descended from heaven to enable you and I to participate in what God's doing and God's redemption of all things, of all creation, of all time. It's something we do together through the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus has given us. In the book of Acts chapter 2, we read about that. John 3.17 tries to bring it into clear focus for us. Indeed, God did not send the Son, Jesus, into the world to condemn the world. No. But in order that the world might be saved, redeemed, healed, made whole, rescued through Him. That's why Jesus came. That's why we come tonight. Because God is for you. He's not against you. He is for you. And He loves you. Christmas tells us that God's plan is to come to us. His purpose is to rescue us and to heal the world, you and me and everybody else together. It's something we take part in. It's a part of our work. You say, well, hold on a minute. That is not the world that I see. That doesn't make sense to me. If Jesus has come, then why are everything so messed up? Well, it's because nobody wants to read the next two verses after John 3, 16 and 17. Because in John 3, 19 and 20, it says this, and this is the judgment. It's not being mean-spirited. It just says this is the case. The case is that the light, Jesus, has come into the world, and he has. But people love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. The opposite of live, evil. Their deeds took away from people, not lifted them up. Their words hurt people, didn't build them up. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light so that their deeds may not be exposed. You don't really need me to explain that to you. Everybody knows that. When you know you are not in God's will, when you are doing things that bring harm to yourself or harm to others, you don't want anybody to see that. Not the light of day, not the light of Christ. And so you withdraw and you isolate and you get depressed and it gets dangerous in your own mind and for your family. Everybody knows that at some point in their life. And so you have a choice. You have a choice tonight. Everybody has a choice. You have, you have freedom. You'll always have freedom. God has given you the freedom to choose. We know what God wants us to do, but you don't have to. It's completely up to you. You are a free agent. You have free will. God allows that because if you don't have it, you can't love. So God also gives us the freedom to choose Jesus. We can. I hope you do. Many of you have. Or to hide from his light, his love, and his work. Yes, his work. Because sometimes the work is hard. And and we're not sure we want to be a part of it or that we can do it. We're not sure we want to be a part of his love. Because it can be so painful. Because it requires things like forgiveness. And mercy and humility and vulnerability and truth. And sometimes we just... His light is so bright, friends, particularly if you've been in the dark a long time. It's hard to come to. It's hard to even see. But here's the good news, friends. John continues in verse 21. Those who do what is true, we come to the light. And you can choose that too. So that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done, how? In God. Nobody's pointing to ourselves. When I talk about what the church does, I'm not pointing to us. I'm pointing to him. Everything we do is because of him. The power we have, the breath in our lungs, it's all him. We celebrate that. N.T. Wright writes about it. N.T. Wright's a great biblical scholar. I recommend him to you. He says this, salvation is about the present and the future. About what God does through us, not merely to us. Right? Our faith, our salvation, our work, our wholeness, our healing, it's not just what God did to us. It's what God can do through us for the very redemption of the entire world. 
He continues, so when Paul says we are citizens of heaven, and we are, he doesn't at all mean that when we're done with this life, we'll be going off to live in heaven. What he means is that the Savior, the Lord Jesus, the King, will come from heaven to earth, and he has, and he will again, to change the present situation and the state of his people, to change our hearts, which changes our actions, change our lives, change the world. God intends in the end to fill all creation with his own presence and love, to make all things right. To bring shalom where nothing is missing and nothing is broken and things are as they were meant to be all along. And you and I, if we choose it, we get to be a part of it. So the choice is yours. And we have a big question in front of us. How will you spend your time this week? This week. How many of you all are on vacation now? Like now, start your vacation. Come on, some of you are. I'm not. I got a couple hours left. I'm getting close. Right, Scott? We're getting close. How are you going to spend your time? Super important question. Because how you spend your days, of course, as Annie Dillard puts it, is how you spend your life. Your days are your life. I was really disappointed to find out that I had to change my sermon from Wednesday. Because the world changes. Do you know the world changes every day? I said something on Wednesday that's no longer true. And the reason is because yesterday we had a new report came out. That the average white man in America, our life expectancy has dropped again this year. It dropped last year, the year before, the year before that, year before that. It used to go up. But not the last decade. It drops. So today, life expectancy is 76.4 years. Congratulations to all the men who've already beaten it. Way to go. 76 years. So, at the foot of my bed, I, I got something this year that I hope will be helpful to me and to you and to the world. Did you know that roughly you and I, we have 4,000 weeks in our life? That's it. 4,000. You get to choose how to use them. This next week and the others. And so you can see that many of mine are filled in. There they are. So every Monday, I get up, I get my black marker. And I go, one more week closer to death. There I am. You ought to try living with me. It's pretty, pretty fun. Pretty amazing. There I am. I'm a little color chart. So you know, what, you know what this means for me? I'm 55, a couple weeks. It means that I got 21 Christmases left. That's it. 21. What you might not know is that my boys on the front row are 26 and 23. I will be alive from now on less than they've been alive. That's my reality. If I'm lucky, if I get there. The same thing's true for you. So what are you going to do? How are you going to spend your life? Are you spending it arguing with your in-laws? You got that choice tomorrow. Or some of you on the way home, right? Or you can do something with your life. You can participate in what God's doing. You can actually change the world by changing yourself. Because that's the only person you can change. That's it. And and in a moment, we're all going to light candles. We're going to have this spiritual exit. It's very beautiful. And I love it. It's one of my favorite moments of the whole year. But make no mistake about it. Rowan Williams, the former Archbishop of Canterbury, he says this. Friends, spiritual ecstasy is no substitute for ordinary kindness. 
Ordinary kindness and practical generosity. That's the stuff that changes the world. What we do here is supposed to make a difference out there. For ordinary kindness and practical generosity. You see, the miracle of Christmas was born through the willingness of ordinary people. Like you and me. Like Mary and Joseph. John the Baptist, Elizabeth, Zachariah, Peter, Paul, Mary. Not the group. The others. The biblical characters. Right? Ordinary people. Like you and me. And the world needs it, friends. The world needs God. Through the church. Imagine with me for a moment that you're a teen mom. You're a senior in high school. Except you've got a crying baby when you're trying to study for finals. That's a different kind of life. While other students are getting ready for prom. Right? They're ready to go to prom. You know what you're doing? You're going to work. Because that's your life. You're not going to prom. You're going to work. And while others are planning to go to college. Which college to attend? Which laptop to buy? You're wondering if there is a way for you at all. So, we speak into that world. Here at X2, we support something called the Stepping Stone Foundation. So, um, you, you recognize the lady in the middle? That's our children's director, Megan Durham. She and her husband, Nick, they set up a foundation. And through their efforts, we can directly impact folks right here in Oklahoma City. They're trying to finish school and trying to go on. And so they have mentors. And these mentors actually know them by name, by face. And they know when to step in and when to hold back. They know how to help. Or if our help is actually help at all. They know how to advance a young family's future. Or maybe imagine with me tonight, you're one of 7,000 Oklahoma children in foster care. You don't know if you're ever going to see your mom and dad again. You don't know if they're going to come back or whether they're going to get out of jail or whatever it is. And you wonder if you're going to be reunited with your family or passed on to yet to another foster family. You wonder if anybody will remember you at Christmas, if you'll have a toy in the morning or any gift at all. And because of you and the Kiwanis, the answer is yes. For hundreds and hundreds of kids in Oklahoma. Because it's sat on a fire track. You, you brought those just a couple weeks ago. You see, you make Christmas brighter and better in the life of children in our state because of what you do. Through your support of the United Methodist Circle of Care and, and their work, getting folks in foster care and emergency care, and through things like sat on a fire truck. For now, over the last 10 years, for thousands and thousands of kids. I love these guys. These are the guys, the Kiwanians. Kiwanians. And um, they have four cars because they're all going to get completely loaded up with toys. And, and so these guys, they're kind of the head guys. There are some other guys back here. And I loved it because when we were, we were, the kids were having fun, everybody's doing their stuff. And I, this guy looks at me, he's like, eyes are this big. He's like, we got to take all those toys? We're like, yes, you do. So we give them unwrapped toys and then they take them. And another group, because we like to be catalytic, we're not doing it on our own. Another group takes the toys, they wrap them and get them to foster families. We're just a small part of the first part of that ministry. Or maybe, maybe you're like Carlos and you wish you could go back to foster care because you've aged out. And now all that help that was for you, it's gone. It's just gone. You have no family to support you. You are on your own at 18. So he ages out of the foster care system and bounced around from 
Tulsa to McAllister to Mulgee. Never stayed any place for long. Never knew his foster families that long. And when other young people were very excited to be able to leave home for the first time, he's wondering if he can find his first home for the first time. A place to call home. And he was dangerously close to living on the streets. His words, not mine. Here's the good news. Because of Jesus, because of his people, we partner with Neighborhood Services Organization in Oklahoma City. Carlos finds them. They connect him to a place that will house him for two years, learn life skills for two years, and keep him off the street. Keep him safe and fed and warm. And if you had time, if you'd like to know, I'd love to share with you about the more than 500 low-income and marginalized students that get help by another family in our church. Marcus and Morgan Jones, they developed the steam engine. And the steam engine, they help young ones learn science and technology and engineering and math and art, all of it, so that they have a chance at a better future. You're a part of that. Now, many of you all who've been with us, you know about our water wells. You know that just a few weeks ago, we put in our 33rd water well, our 32nd in Guatemala. Our first one was in El Salvador. I'm so grateful for John Hurd and the original group and all the groups that have gone after. But this year, you'll see that we have a solar panel here so that not only do they have clean water, they have a way for it to pump on its own. They don't have to buy the fuel for it because if you don't have electricity, it's probably hard to raise the money to make your pump run, right? So we, fig- we figured that out. And then, of course, Chantel is here holding Milagros, which is in that village known as the Miracle, because she is. I met Milagros last year on our trip when we put it in their first well, this well, now irrigates all their crops so they can actually make a living and pay off the land they bought from the government. Milagros is a miracle, and you're a part of that miracle. So you may know about that, but you might not know about our work in Rio Bravo, Mexico every year, or Tijuana, where we keep kids from being trafficked, or in Africa, or, or homeless in Oklahoma City and Tulsa, the work you do there, or Project Transformation, where you work at, we work with at-risk kids, children across our state. Their lives are transformed by being fed and read to. Read and feed. And it's so important in the summer because when they're out of school, a lot of them are out of food. Because their parents are at work, both of them. There's nobody to see them, supervise them, or feed them. So, the United Methodist Church partners with AmeriCorps. And kids' lives get better because of you. Or we could talk about the other end with the seniors. That we meet each week. There's Kathy Wallace. She was the president of that organization this year. She's our ad council chair. She's in the hairnet closest to you. And the hairnet furthest from you is my lovely wife. There she is again. Doing the Lord's work. We could talk about our support for the Regional Food Bank of Oklahoma. Oh, by the way, the uh, Edmund Mobile Meals has given out more than a million meals now. Edmund Mobile Meals. You're a part of that. Some people in our church cook. Others actually hand it out. And the thing is... Sometimes our volunteers are the first ones to know somebody's past because they're the only people that see them. And it's Edmund Mobile Meals that actually contacts people to let them know that their loved one has passed. That's important work you're a part of. Food Bank of Oklahoma, Project 66, Jubilee Partners. And, and these partnerships, we even feed kids each and every week, just a few miles from here, every Saturday, all the way through COVID, all the way through winter weather. We've never missed a single week. And when I say we, we are the funding source for other people who are out there hands and feet. If you want to be a part of that, I can hook you up. We could talk about your incredible support for the folks in Ukraine this year. 
with other United Methodist churches in Ukraine. We can do that because of the United Methodist Committee on Relief. They're able to give funds immediately and then ask the Methodist churches around the world to backfill that number. So they can help. They don't have to wait to raise money. They can give it immediately because of the connection that we're a part of. We're also a part of a Methodist church downtown that is the Lazarus community. These are our youth group. Look how strong they are. Very strong boys we have doing the work. And Kelly Davis mentoring them each and every Wednesday, teaching them what it is to follow Jesus, really follow him, not just talk about him. It's important stuff. We, you, you help infants that are in crisis. Now, a couple years ago, um, the Yarholers who sat over here just last service, they introduced me to a ministry that I didn't know of, but they did. And they knew the good work. And they wanted our church to be a part of it. Now, I have a hard time talking about it because this is the founder of K-Club. His name's Keaton. And he fought cancer for three and a half years. He fought hard. He took every medication they asked him to take. He followed every order, every rule they asked him to do. The doctors that tried to save his life. But they didn't. Keaton passed away May 11th of 2018. He was eight. He was eight years old. But while he was in the hospital, he had a vision. A vision for kindness. He started the K-Club. Uh, one of the people at the hospital came in and they were trying to raise the spirits and say, well, let's start a club. What should we call it? He says, well, my name's Keaton and your name's K, so let's make it the K-Club. Only people with names K can be in. So that's how it started. Keaton's Kindness Foundation. It now continues his mission of kindness and courage and compassion and caring while fighting all along for a cure for pediatric cancer. And under the leadership of Keaton, his vision, and his parents, what I found out at the last time we met, and many of the families in this room were there with me, they let us know that there are families that they help, not only with parties for the kids and care for them while they're in the hospital and so many beautiful things for the kids, but they also know that for some families, they spent their last dime trying to save their kid's life, and they don't even have any money to bury them. So they come in. And for $3,000, we can provide funeral services, a burial plot, and, and bury their children with honor and grace. And we do. You do. That's what we do. We bring heaven to earth. You bring help when they have lost hope. We fulfill Keaton's vision for kindness. And I know what you're thinking. I bet the mission offerings right after this. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. Because we should do something with our lives. Absolutely should for Jesus on his birthday. Of course we should. It just makes sense. But make no mistake, Michael Slaughter, who started the whole thing about it's not your birthday, it's Jesus' birthday, he says this. He says, friends, listen, the resources of heaven do not fall from the sky. They just don't. They are released through God's people, through you and through me. God creates miracles through the resources that you and I hold in our hands. That's how heaven comes to earth. You know this. This is how it works. Now, here's the good news and the bad news. Given to the mission offering, a dollar more than you spend on your own self, on your family, that's the easy part. The harder part is to really do it with a joyful heart. And the way you do that, the way you bless others, not just with your resources, which you should do. We should all do that. But here's, here's your action step. Don't complain for the rest of the year. Not one time about anything. 
Seriously, it's only a week, right? I mean, you've only got seven days. I mean, you can do it. You can get, do it for the rest of 22. And if you're successful, try it for 23. But seriously, don't complain. You're like, come on, man. You, let's get real for a minute. Okay. So someone who actually studies joy for a living, you know what she says, Catherine Price? She says this. Read it with me. Scroll less, live more, have fun. That's a good week, isn't it? Put your phones away. Get to know your family. You know, quit being mad that everybody's already at Disney World or whatever it is on your Instagram or your Facebook. Yeah, scroll less, live more, have fun. That sounds like a good week, doesn't it? We can do this. And so we change our lives by focusing on the good. The good that we do together, the good you can do each and every day. So we list three things that we're grateful for. We have a little thing by our bed and you just write it down. One, two, three. You'll be amazed at how much better you feel in the morning. Where your mind automatically is when you ruminate about the wonders of God's goodness and, the, and what you're grateful for over, over the night. It's your choice. Or you can read your work email right before you go to bed. You get to choose. All of us do. So let me invite you to do this. Start next week. A week from now will be the 1st of January. Uh, Baptism Sunday. If you haven't been baptized, we hope you'll come and uh, let us know so we can share in God's salvation with you and the goodness therein. And so we hope you'll come. Either 915, 1045, start the year off and join God in the transformation of the world. Because that's what he came to do, to bring heaven to earth. And you get to be a part of it if you choose to. Let's pray together. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.